everybody, welcome back to the Creative Hack Podcast. My name is Richard, and it is my goal to help you make a living in a life as a creative professional. It doesn't matter if you're new to this, you have a new creative idea that you're pursuing, or if you've been at this thing for a decade plus. We're all in this together, and I really just want to be a resource for you guys. On today's episode of the show, we are sitting down and talking with Seattle-based creative director and artist Nicole Kestel. Me and Nicole go back a few years. I met her through the advertising community here in Seattle. Um, her work is outstanding. Um, I, I really appreciate her insights and feedback in terms of just some of the ideas she brings to the table. But more importantly, um, in this conversation particularly, I really enjoyed hearing how she's trying to take her work into a new direction. Nicole, like many of us, uh, got sideswept by COVID-19, drastically impacted uh, the life that she was living as a creative professional, but through that has really given her an opportunity to sit and just think about what it is she wants, and it's really cool seeing the direction in which she's headed and really thinking about how to be more conscious about the work and the brands that she works with, which is fantastic. I'm really enjoying seeing some of her stuff. We also talked a little bit about her collage work, and we also talked about the future of marketing and advertising. We talked about platforms like TikTok and how it could be the next frontier for creative endeavors. But more importantly, I think the thing I took away from this conversation with Nicole is just how we have to keep hustling. Yes, it sucks right now, and COVID-19 is impacting everyone, including yours truly. However, Personally, through this conversation, I learned a lot about like what it means to just keep going, even though we are facing difficult times. Um, and I think Nicole brings a lot of those ideas out. She really talks about just the future of advertising and marketing and just like where the opportunities lie. Because in this moment right here and right now, there are opportunities and we can position ourselves for the future. So I think that's enough of me just babbling and talking about why I really enjoyed my conversation with Nicole. So let's just get into the podcast. Here's my conversation with Nicole Kestel. I guess like the biggest thing that I'm curious about from your perspective right now is it's just like, I mean, it seems like the creative industry in general has just been flipped upside down. I mean, I was listening to, uh, I don't know if you know the name, Tim Tatter. Uh, Uh, I don't. He's a photographer. You've seen his work. Um, He did the Alaska campaign that uh, Mechanism did a couple years ago with Mm -hmm. with the the green and blue um, overlays on uh, on people, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. I remember that um, uh, station take domination and Capitol Hill. Yeah. What? I, I haven't taken the train in so long. What do we call the Oh, the link light rail. Yeah, the light rail. Station. Yeah, that thing. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because I was listening to him talk a little earlier talking about like how COVID has really just flipped things upside down. And it's just, like, I'm curious as, like, someone who's been in the ad space for a while now, like, uh, I mean, what is what is your perspective on all of this? Like, w- what is happening with creativity? And it's, like, you talked about, like, 
we're moving more digitally like what like what is going on from your perspective of like doing this for like almost a decade eight and a half now yeah i think covid is obviously something that a lot of people weren't planned uh weren't ready for in many many ways many aspects of business or mentally uh but here we are and we are all just <laughs> trying to do our best and figure it out I, I think, of, of course, obviously, it's the industry has seen uh, some unfortunate things happen from it. I think a lot of uh, maybe more traditional places might not have been prepared uh, because I think during times like this, clients aren't wanting to drive awareness campaigns. Clients are desperately trying to get money into their accounts, so probably direct response, lower funnel, stuff like that. And so I feel like I've heard that more of the digital-focused-minded shops have not been hit as hard as maybe more traditional or just generally creative places. That's not to say that they can't use their creative thinking skills to offer really innovative solutions for clients. So um, I think it just depends on where you're working and what your company does. But I think unfortunately, yeah, it means a lot of business no business owners are rethinking how they want to do business, what capabilities they want to offer, how can they make themselves more um, stable during uncertain times. I think that's a goal for all of us. I mean, it's a goal for myself as well. Um, I, and I think on the positive side though, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this is people have had to get more creative, have had to figure out things in new ways that they haven't before. And that is what creativity is to me is like, when it comes down to it, it's just how you use your imagination. And, you know, you have companies trying to be like, well, we have this event or this award show or concert or festival. How are we going to deliver this digitally? And figuring out figuring out all the hows in that is is completely different than in person. Mm -hmm. You have, yeah, I just think it's like it's introducing at a rapid speed remote work and really learning that that's probably not as scary as some businesses might have thought, and that it's. And that it's easy and there's tons of tech and digital programs out there that make it fluid. Um, so I think it's definitely a mix, yeah. you know, of, of things. What have you, what do you think? I, I mean, I agree with, uh, I agree with all of that because like, I guess like one of the things I remember learning at brand center and like one of my first classes, it was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard brand center people talk about, a class called the business of branding or Bob. Um, would... Oh, I've heard of Bob. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So Don just, uh, was the instructor. I mean, he was terrifying. We, <laughs> it was the only class in my uh, graduate school experience where I had to wear a suit. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to, we had to show up to class wearing, or I think it was the first one that we had to show up wearing, uh, a suit which was or like business attire which for ad kids is strange but yeah the point he made was and, and I, i'll always remember this quote creativity is the last unfair but unfair business advantage that we have hmm. 
And I think like, like all yes. circumstances, what COVID-19 has created is, um, it's forced us to, um, to be more innovative in terms of how we think about how we solve problems. And I think, I think that's hard right now because it's like, as we, I think what I'm seeing is it's like digital events will never amount to, um, or compare against the digital or yeah, digital events will never complete compare to in real life yet. Mm-hmm. We're still striving for that and trying to find authenticity through difficult times. Yeah. I, I love that you said authenticity because that is kind of how I operate. I'm always my authentic self and, or I strive to be, and I kind of don't know any other way. And I also think that the ad industry over the last couple of years is, has been better at that mostly because consumers are demanding it more. But I also think people who work in the ad industry, especially right now, have, we're all people at the end of the day, right? And we're all going through this thing that's so new. And it's not just affecting us or our jobs. It might be affecting our brothers, sisters, children, spouses, jobs as well, and our home life as we work. And I think what I've observed is a lot more compassion uh, for others. within the office space and then just being like authentically yourself and be like, yes, this is my house uh, or and my mess. And I'm sorry, I have to go, you know, my child just spilled this uh, BRB. You know, I think it's brought a level of humanity to the forefront of working, which I th- is actually kind of exciting to me. And I think it's been really good that we've gotten to get to know our colleagues a little bit better on a more vulnerable human mm-hmm. level right right now. Yeah. And I, I, I'm hopeful that um, it will come across in the work to some degree. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting in like five years time to see social distancing on every outdoor billboard ever. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm ex- I, I was like thinking, oh, there's the new Stevens Pass uh, tagline in 2025, social distancing. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. a guy ripping mm-hmm. down a mountainside. So I don't know. I, I guess like the big thing, and I, 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 I think the whole remote work to your point is, I mean, that's not going away. Like that's here to stay. Like, yeah. We're going to see creative directors on beaches in, in Maui and uh, still working. Man, that's the freaking dream, isn't it? I mean, that's why I kind of have been pushing for still being freelance and starting up a freelance business is I want to I want to have that and I want to experience that. And that's not to say I'm never home and I'm always traveling, but it's just I have that opportunity you have that we all have that opportunity now to as long as there's internet and as long as we are doing our job and delivering what we you know promise uh, i think you there could and should be a little bit more leeway to allow people to travel like for example i don't none of my family live lives here um I had to start kind of creating my community from scratch when I moved out here three years ago. And Mm -hmm. 
and so I go home once a year and you know some years that's okay with me but others like now I wish I could be at home but I, you know with COVID and stuff so it would just be nice and I think it would be a supportive thing for mental health to allow the flexibility even if it's just at your family's house or a friend's house to to work but in a place where you're a little bit more calm or relaxed yeah. um, as you can so I think there's there could be a really great balance and that's what I'm hoping for for myself as well I mean I'm already seeing it I mean it's it's here. I th- I think there's certain pitfalls and challenges because of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, I mean, you'll know this from working at a number of different shops, uh, culture. I think, mm. I think we're, yep. I think the big thing we're going to see, especially in creative spaces is, um, everything's going to be on a business, um, relationship. You're not going to have those inside jokes that become, great creative ideas you're not going to be able to have that rapport outside of just um you're not going to be able to develop rapport beyond just the work itself i think which makes it a lot harder in in creative work yeah that's a really good and interesting point because you're right most of my experience well all of it has been inside of a brick and mortar place where you do create those relationships as you're brainstorming and working together. And also as you're just like taking mental breaks and just like fucking around and just being goofy and silly and trying to get your brain to do something. Yeah. And (laughs) that's true. And I wonder if, yeah, so that might cause a lot of agencies to figure out ways to, to create a digital culture because I think that will be so important. I think the companies that all started with people in house and then had a shift at home are in a good spot. But yeah, if you started a new place or a hundred percent remote, I, yeah, I don't know how that'll work, but that's a really great point. But I think and hope that, people and leaders know how important that is and will strive to figure out new ways to do that outside of a five o'clock happy hour, digital happy hour, you know, cause I don't know if that will really do it either. So. Uh, and I, I agree with you and I just have a hard time believing that dilly dilly would it will, <laughs> will I don't, I just have a hard time believing that that campaign in general would have come to life remotely you know it's i mean i i i can't remember who the creatives are behind that i think they were like a a year ahead of me in school but Mm -hmm. um my guess is they were just like making jokes and that's what came out it's like that's funny or they were playing ping pong, which brand center grads do a lot Mm -hmm. yeah who knows i mean it's hard to say because you do have video chat that you could just be on hours with your partner as well but you know you walk and talk you goof yeah you goof around and kind of just being on the phone or in front of your computer um might not be as stimulating for sure well i mean like i remember i remember when we were doing that for like the amica campaign and Mm -hmm. i mean even it was exhausting at times i mean we would just be talking but still it's like huh i know yeah that's very true so you're 
it's I guess it's just like frustrating because it's just like I'm trying to understand like what's next for advertising and it I mean I I it's clearly digital it's like mm-hmm. I mean influencers love them or love them or hate them are not going anywhere. No, no. So not at all. <laughs> so it's interesting. I, I I remain neutral on them for sure. Re- you don't hate them. Depends on who. No, I don't hate them. They're they're they can be super valuable, right? And I think it just depends on obviously like what your brand is and what they're trying to get across and the uh, selection of influencer can definitely make or break it. But I don't think there's any shame in making that a an avenue to reach people or to drive conversions whatever that's whatever that is yeah um but but yes i agree like there is a love hate but i you know i think it, it it's all gray for me because it all depends yeah yeah i mean it's just interesting like i it i don't know what to make i i just i don't know what to make sense of the advertising space right now it's just i'm confused by it and what it what's the future yeah. holds for us yeah, I think a lot of people are, but I think if we can position ourselves to remain competitive, to remain top of mind in people's brains, to um, educate ourselves maybe on new things that might help us navigate the digital world a little bit better, I think that's all we can do because, you know, if anyone had a magic eight ball, um, I'm sure we would all have it figured out, but um, sadly, those just still exist only in teenage bedrooms. Maybe I don't know. It, apparently, so. So I guess the real question <laughs> is, it's like, I guess, like how I'm, I'm curious. It's like, how have you been coping with this? Because this has not been; these are not normal times, or these, yeah, these are definitely not normal times. Far from it. No, it's it's not. Um, how have I been coping? I think first and foremost, just actually being more in touch with how I'm feeling that day. And it's definitely been a roller coaster. It's definitely been a roller coaster because I, you know, am am several months away removed, but you know, it was layoff. I got laid off. And then it was COVID, and then it was just kind of like isolation and all this stuff. Yeah, you, and you had a really bad combo with that. I'm not going to lie. That was brutal. <laughs> it's a little bit of a one-two punch for sure. Oh. I was making really <laughs> great momentum, um, introducing myself to the Seattle market as a freelancer, getting to know people, networking, and then um, kind of the rug got pulled out underneath me. So I think I've been dealing with, two layers one is being laid off and then you have some of the financial stuff you have you have the emotional stuff um but i also think it's really good to go through that i i've never been more of course i have more time right so i'm i'm able to focus on my internal world a lot more than you do when you're working 50 60 hours a week and you just kind of want to zone out and you or, or at least I did. I'm not saying everyone does. Um, and so I've just been more honoring how I have felt. And if one day that I get 
the inclination to be like productive or learn something new or do X, Y, or Z. Great. If other times it's like, I'll read, take walks, just kind of mental health is number one to me right now. And I haven't put a lot of pressure on myself to be creative in the traditional sense. Like I don't have a personal project. Um, I mean, I guess my personal project is my mental health and exploring what that means and really actually taking, if I can take, put a positive spin is like taking advantage of these last four months as a place to reset, to go within, to visualize what I want my future to feel like and be like, um, because for 14 years, I didn't really, I couldn't and didn't really prioritize that. But, um, so, so yeah, I, I've been reading more. I've cooked a little bit more. I have um, dabbling back into some art stuff. Yeah, I know you're doing the collage stuff now, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, I I have always had a fascination for kaleidoscopes, uh, textures, patterns, um, mixed media art. And so, and I used to do that more, and then I just haven't for years. And so... One day I was just like, Nicole, Nicole, just freaking explore and play. And that's the thing that I'm trying to bring back more in my life is play. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if you struggle with this, but I struggle with, well, if it's not either like, I don't know what I'm going to do before I do it. And so you're like, you have like this paralyzation of, well, I don't know what I'm making yet. So then I'm just not going to even start or... Well, I wonder if it'll turn out quote unquote dumb or not. And it's like, who's to say what is it's, we all know what art is. is art is like the most subjective topic yeah. in the world. So I was just like, Nicole, shut the up and just like play. And yeah. so it's been really fun to take pictures. I have taken on my, the beautiful spring wa- walks around Seattle. I mean, Seattle in spring is pretty uh, outrageous and just kind of make art out of them. So yeah, that's been fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting to see some, like, I know you're on Capitol Hill, so I'm waiting to see some like Chaz slash chop related artwork at some point. I know I've thought about that. And um, so we'll see, but yes, I ha- I have, I'm two blocks from all of that. So it's, that's been an interesting uh, constant like part of my life even though I'm not like directly in it but yeah yeah we'll see <laughs> yeah um so I guess like given like leaving um being away from an agency are you are you hoping to stay freelance or is like what's where are you trying to take the work I mean I I know you still probably want to work with advertisers and agencies but in in what role and what capacity are you hoping to do that? Um, and uh, what does the, what does that relationship look like going forward? That's a great question because I am trying to figure that out myself and just work through that. So I have a lot of thoughts around that and a lot of different thought starters have kind of appeared to me. So one is, of course trying to rebuild my freelance awareness in Seattle and, you know, hell, maybe, you know, remote, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Expand that out. 
and to be the more traditional route, oh, you need me to come in, which I would love that because I love being around people to your point, like the charisma, the connection, uh, the vibes. I think that's really crucial. And so still participate and freelance that way. But I have also started, um, or started a business called Cosmic Pixel, and it's it it was in theory put together just as a way for people to pay me for freelance. But now I am exploring what it could be beyond a way to get a paycheck from agencies. And for me, what I want to the type of people and brands and services I want to work with are purpose-driven, heart-centered, more conscious um, companies that positively impact the greater good. Is that, do they inspire personal growth? Do they expand consciousness? Are they, do they deliver like authentic, positive messages? Whatever it is, it doesn't mean it all has to be like uh, so high spiritually, but I feel I, I definitely want to combine my consciousness and my spiritual life closer to my creative experience and know-how. And so I am exploring what that is. And I'm learning to be okay that even though I'm not clear on what that is, that that's coming from somewhere else. And I just need to start taking the first couple steps and know that the next few steps will appear from there and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah, a couple other, like another project with a friend about creative visualization um, that we're exploring. And then I'm also wanting to talk about vulnerability with people because I have found myself in the most vulnerable position of my life so far. And I think the world is too uh, right now. And so. I don't know, creating a space for that. So I have a, I have a lot of irons in the fire as they say, but I would, I would definitely love to be able to work all of that um, or explore that and see kind of what falls. And I believe that we can have multiple forms of income and, you know, but it's like, it takes effort to create that life and pursue those little whispers even if it's not clear to us yet, so. Yeah. Are you talking more like Series B, or not Series B, uh, B Corp uh, organizations, kind of like the Whole Foods and uh, and the Patagonias, where they have to have like a very clear, distinct sustainability plan within their uh, business organization? Uh, yes, that can be part of it. It doesn't have to be uh, just limited to earth consciousness, too, I, and sustainability, Um, I'm also talking about personal or self-growth brands or, um, when I say conscious topics, I mean, I don't know, things that fall in the spiritual realm of work and, you know, there's places like Mind Valley and Gaia and some personal, like, coaches that are pretty big that it would be great to work for, um, and just be around this kind of content or topic. This isn't it, but it's like, oh, that'd be really cool to work. It could include stuff like meditation or yoga or science, uh, more on the science and like mind body connection or, 
um, universe stuff. I think all of that, because it's all connected. And yeah. so that's where I spend a lot of my internal and free time in and all those spaces. And so I would love to continue to learn and grow with brands who are, are like-minded to yeah. me as well. I was about to say like brands like Headspace or Calm or Allo Moves uh, just are a couple that are coming off yeah. of, of um, my, uh, just things that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, thinking about. So um, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And it's just like, I think like what's really been interesting for me and the things that I've been looking at a lot recently is just like, I mean, we're seeing a lot more brands like that in terms of, and, and brands that are really striving for um, awareness around just mental health issues. So um, mm -hmm. I think that's, uh, it's definitely positive to see all those things uh, transpire, especially given like what's going on in the world. And I think like that trend of like talking about public health and mental health from a brand perspective isn't going away anytime soon. So it's like, I mean, it could be Verizon talking about those things going forward mm -hmm. for a lot of these brands because it's, it is going to be a priority because like we've all seen the campaigns where it's like during these unprecedented times. Yeah. Yeah. But I think with those, um, if you want big brands to start talk, you, you got to walk the walk if you're going to talk oh, the completely. talk. And so it's like, I know you were just throwing this out there as a, as an example, but if Verizon wants to talk about mental health, it's, they literally have to push people away from their products, which yeah. is, you know, it's about not using their products and all the, um, I think it's called EFT or, yeah, no, it's called EMF, uh, frequencies that come from technology that kind of radiate and do harm to our bodies. Like you, like you can't just say mental health is important when, you know, your product is causing that mentally and physically and emotionally. So yeah. I, I think there's a big call for, for, uh, brands. And this is something I've become more passionate about is like their whole customer experience, um, what are you doing in every single as aspect and touch point? Because as you've seen the numbers um, in various you know studies, it's like consumers don't trust brands or like that's pretty low. And they're, they have to work really hard and create intentional content that resonates, that's authentic, that really provides a value exchange. And consumers are really looking at the full companies now and yeah. like what what they're saying behind the little videos that we see so yeah definitely it'll be tough but i think like good needed shifts for the betterment of humanity for sure well i think it's I th to your point i think it's just brand i think it's a shift in terms of brand values and turn and i think mm -hmm. what's happening is like people within organizations are demanding more mental health resources which is ultimately putting a bigger, uh, it's causing, I think what it might be, and I, I could be completely wrong on this. Um, I think it's putting a greater, um, need on the human resources department to address those issues, which then mm -hmm. bubbles up into the marketing departments and the conversations that are being had with agencies and different partners, because it is on its top of mind 
at multiple organizations. It's no longer just a Swedish or like Scandinavian idea. During these times, it just seems like it's become something that um, it's it's everywhere. You know, it's just like having those conversations around mental health is just something that like for a long time we took for granted. And absolutely. And we think everyone, you know, are robots and the ad industry is pretty ruthless. It's long hours. It's super high expectations to perform, to, you know, make our brand's business successful, win awards, all this bullshit. And especially, um, I think that's, was brought up in a very masculine white culture, which I do want to talk about. Um, but, uh, I think it has to, you have to rewrite the whole, I don't want to say sis. Well, we do have to write, rewrite the whole system, but I mean that we, they have to prioritize a whole culture that supports mental health. And that's not about burning out your people. And it's not about all just sitting in desks three feet away from each other and having no meeting or maybe mental health space or how flexible or rigid are you for your employees um, if you do have people that haven't had the same education or they don't learn or think the same way, quote unquote, as the rest of people, but I just think that's bullshit too. How are you helping them? Yeah. How are you, do you give them more time? Do you, uh, give them more resources? Do you, uh, really, do you ask them what they need versus you not? I mean, I, it's a, so yes, that agrees with, or that starts with HR, I think, as far as accountability and providing resources to the best way to serve, but it's, it's the whole process in which business is done on the day to day and how people interact with each other. And again, it goes back to humanity, recognizing the differences in people, celebrating them, um, and, kind of the vulnerability of it all yeah. um, being willing to have those conversations well i think like to that point and this is, goes back to my experience interning at fallon i felt like i couldn't come up i, I felt like i couldn't compete creatively as an art mm-hmm. direction as an art direction uh intern i felt like i was I also, I also had a partner that didn't want to work with me and i should have like raised my hand and told my manager like hey mm-hmm. she's my my the writer I'm working with, she's not pulling her weight at all. I'm concepting by mm-hmm. myself, which I'm going nowhere on. And I didn't raise my hand yeah. and, and say something, and that's on me. Um, but on top of that, I remember, like, I'm in Minneapolis, and it's, like, a Friday or something. And I, I was off doing a different project, some little weird internal thing. And I got a message or a text message or, like, a call from the, the office, and I, like, had a panic. I felt like I was having a panic attack to a degree. Just because it's like, I felt like it just elevated that those stress levels, and I'm just like thinking. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking to myself, if this is what advertising is, I don't like this. Even though I love ads mm-hmm. and I love storytelling and I love the ability to craft a really tight brand message, and I I quickly a few months later realized like you know what like I am so much stronger with a camera in my hand or like editing as opposed to trying to be that 
that rock star art director who has to birth an idea. Mm-hmm. And what was that like revelation or were you, how did you make that switch internally? Because I've been in positions where I, I went through this with New York. It was just like, it's not working out. It's not, you know, bad things keep happening or I'm not happy in New York. I'm not fulfilled. Okay. So maybe if I push a little harder, try a little bit or change how I approach X, Y, or Z. And it's like, no, it's still not working out. I really had to, after six years, be like, this doesn't align with me. And I, and that's okay. Like give myself permission for some reason, like that me living in New York for six years was a failure because I wasn't happy and give myself permission to be happy and that it's okay that I move on. Um, so did you go through anything as you were like, damn, I thought I was going to be a, I should be an art director. That's what I'm supposed to do. But now I'm going to be more on the video side. No, it's, I mean, I was always a video guy first. I just thought. Oh, I thought you said you're an art director. I No, I took video. I was a broadcast major in college. But what'd you take at uh, Brand Center? I was an art director. I no, I guess that's what I was hanging on. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I studied art direction at Brand Center, but I studied broadcast production in college. Okay. And I think what I the revelation to me was I was work I was in school and this is where it kind of began. I was working on a campaign for sub zero refrigerators. Mm-hmm. Sub like refrigerators are a really hard thing to sell. It's really hard to find the dif- the distinction between refrigerator A and refrigerator B when it's the top of the line. And mm-hmm. I remember like going to uh, one of my professors, um, and I I was I was with two really good creatives. Uh, one I think is freelance in New York as an ACD now. The other's a writer at Widen. Uh, and I remember going to one of my professors and I said, Wayne. What am I going to do? I can't keep up with these guys. I feel like I'm, they're running laps around me. And he turned to me and said, it's like, Richard, play your own game. Like, do what you mm-hmm. do because they're not going to be able to touch you in, if you play your strengths. If you try to play to their strengths, you're going to lose. And that's yes. something I've – I. it's something I've tried to take to heart. It's something that I need to lean more into, like, especially, like – last year and like coming out of like leaving creative live i really started digging into photography i mean if you yeah i mean you follow me on instagram it's like you mm-hmm. you you'll see me posting daily i mean i'm not seeing the growth i would like but i mean that i think that's for most creatives and photographers filmmakers and just trying to find those avenues where it's just like i think the thing that i realized and i learned was i mean i still want to make ads there's no question of that. Yeah. I still want to make content that lifts brand marketing. That's what I truly love to do and help direct mm-hmm. brand um, perspective and how people see a brand. But I want to be able to do it at in a way that is organic to me. And maybe that's not being working at a place like Fallon or Widen. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to. Don't get me wrong. But at the <laughs> same time, like I also recognize that it's like if I can, if I can be the field goal kicker, and come in for that one play and, and be able to put it down the center 60 yards out, cool. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because there's a, there's that. still a lot of pressure in that moment right there. <laughs> 
Hell yeah, there is. So that's, uh, sorry, keep going. So that's like how I've been looking at it recently. Like during my experience of freelance, that's how I was really starting to look at it. It was like, okay, if a brand calls me up, it's like, that's cool. I get to work with them for like two to three weeks. Like, um, like last year did a few cool projects with belief agency, which was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, um, I'm trying to figure out like, I'm trying to figure out like what that means going forward, especially given just all the crazy shit that we're dealing with. And I, I don't have answers to that and I don't expect yeah. to for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think just rolling with it. And I really love what your teacher said, play your own game. And so whatever your game is within this time, uh, even if that's again, not clear, I think, will really help solidify kind of what drives and motivates you um, as well. And so I think that's, that's really cool that you're, that you are open and that like, because when we worked together, it was, you were a crucial part of the team, but like, were you an art director? No, but it was like, I absolutely needed you to, in order for the stuff to get done. And I think that there's a lot of, it takes a freaking village. And nowadays like digital and video people are almost more indispensable or they probably are more indispensable than um, like traditional art directors like me. Well, I guess the way that I look at it is I've always viewed it through the lens or I try to view it through the lens of, I'm a video person who can think like an art director. Yeah. And I think like what's been interesting and I wish I was a little bit more bullish about this in terms of creating content for it. To your point, video is everywhere. It hasn't decreased. It's ultimately increased. If anything has decreased, it's been photography. I don't know why Mm -hmm. I'm playing in that world. Um, It's, I think like the hardest part is like figuring out as freelancers or if you are, if you have been, or if you are freelancing is it's like, okay, there's a need for something. How do we, how do we take our skill sets, whatever that is and like match it up to the need of brand ABC or, mm-hmm. or agency one, two, three. And I mean, when I was freelancing, um, I was trying to figure that out of like, how do I get my work in front of the right people? And I mean, you probably can speak to that better than I can because working with like Holland America, I, I, I'm a little reluctant to use Amica, but I mean, you've, mm-hmm. you've worked with a number of different brands. It's like, what has your experience been selling in pieces of work and especially other creatives? And then like the other component I'm really interested in, in which is how were you able to sell in those those external partners that are creatives but may not be in agency land like a lot of people? When you say external partners, can you clarify what you mean by that? Uh, outside artists, be that photographers, illustrators, oh, designers. Like, got how it. do you? How what's the process in terms of like bringing those people into the fold? Like, um, was it? Is it? I because there's a lot of different layers agency side is it is it the art producers and the art buyers or is it really the creative directors 
art directors and those folks that are making this decision on who might be good for a project or is it a mixture of both? In my experience, it's 100% a mixture of both. And I think it all, but it all starts with the creative uh, idea, right? And it all starts with what are we selling? What are we, what is the final output that everyone has agreed upon? And um, because in that process, the art directors are already looking for images and photographers to like swipe to add mood boards or keyframes so you can help sell that idea through, right? It's not like, uh, I think most clients aren't super visual, so we definitely have to help them along. So we're already in that process of becoming aware during the ideation phase, if you will. But once a client buys off on something, for me, it is the help of a producer because they, they do know more people in that world um, that can't, you know, representatives, agents, whatever, that can say, oh, yes, I have this person, this perfect uh, p- person, I can throw them your way. But that also, again, goes back to, I have to create a mood board, I have to write about the vibe or the scene or what's the ultimate aesthetic feel, give them a couple of examples, it can be like real world examples. Um, textures tone so you can basically create a brief for our producers and then they say great i have uh you know you i don't know you look you look at a lot i feel and then yeah you bring hopefully your top couple to the client and pick out some work in their portfolio that would real that are really represent the mood that you all are going for and showing some range and Obviously, I would. I always try to go with my recommend because mm-hmm. sometimes clients just love saying, "Well, what do, we don't. They all look good to me. What do you like?" Yeah. So that's. It's been. Um, I will say, at CNF, I had another inbox just full of all of those typical. So you were getting uh, requests. Photog- you were getting emails from photographers and filmmakers. Oh yeah, and always on LinkedIn, but I like never look at them. So then like, well, I guess like, well, I'm curious because you're doing a lot of collage stuff too. And it's like, I'm sure you were getting some illustrators as well. It's like, for those sort of people, it's like, what does it take to break through other than meeting them in person? <laughs> I know. And I'm one, I mean, I'm on the other end of that now. And so well, Welcome to the club. Funny. Like I'm, the reason why I'm asking a lot of these questions is I'm trying to, I'm, I know I know what you're going through, but I'm also curious, like the perspective from ACD level and like, mm-hmm. where's that middle ground? Because I think it's the middle ground where we're going to gain the most and learn the most about like, okay, how do we get in front of the people that we want to buy our work? Mm-hmm. I know. That's why and I'm it's prodding. Also like, I know, no, it's okay. But I also think it's, um, when you're not in the market for something, you don't, you're like less of a, you pay attention to it less, you're just like buying any product. Um, so when you're not in the market for illustrators or photographers, what have you, because you're trying to do all of these other things, and maybe I'm just coming from my last place was so fast paced, like I feel like I could barely 
you know, it was all I could do is to meet the deadlines and make the work, you know, as good as possible, but it wasn't always great because of, of certain things. And so when I'm not in that mindset, I'm honestly trying to limit distractions in my life. Um, around those things so I do agree like a good middle ground but I just think cold email and cold LinkedIn is it's really hard and I I hear you and I I unfortunately don't think I even have a good answer that's okay for you at all no 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 that's, <laughs> that's, that's completely okay because it's like I I mean no that's that's completely okay because it's like as a creative myself, like I do not have the answers to this. The only thing that I've known how to, the only thing that has worked for me to be completely honest is showing up and being a good person, being a kind, respectful human being and being able to talk beyond advertising about something as trivial as how awful the Mariners are with Jim. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But, and yeah, it's, who knows? And I, I, well, first of all, that's 100% true. Like be, be a good human is always number one because no one's going to work with you if you're a dick, you know? And so it's just like, I, or just like not a team player and all that, all that stuff that we've all experienced. And I guess the thing I would say is that I do think producers and project managers are, um, are also good people to know because it it's well I'm not as ingrained in the Seattle market as I was in New York either so I'm still building up who I know here as Mm -hmm. well but I I I think most art directors even if they want to put someone they know in the running they're gonna work if there's the budget they're they're gonna work with producers and project managers to help them find people based on the brief if you will and so it's always good to not forget about that part of the process for sure are the i guess like what i'm curious about is it's like are there those agencies like are there those certain agencies or uh organizations doesn't have to be agencies in Seattle or the Pacific Northwest that you're like eyeing that you think are doing those things. Mm. Or is that a tough thing to answer? Yeah, that's a tough thing to answer because I don't know other people's processes uh, of how to do that. I do know that kind of on the production side, our producers would bring in photographers, videographers, sound people um, to show us their work sometimes. And so I I know that's another way of doing a quick meet and greet and walking through some work. Um, But yeah, that's hard to say because I just don't know. I'm sure there are definitely other processes and I think uh, there are creatives out there that definitely have their own Rolodex and people and their network, but um, I just personally can't really. You speak don't have to the that. time to it. I mean, it's like I remember when, Ugh, when no, we were working on Amica, it was just like go, 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 go. And I'm sure that wasn't the only account you were working on. Definitely not, uh, for sure. So it was, uh, I think it's like a little bit of just 
the relentless just keep going after it and always having the faith that you might just be one conversation or one serendipitous meeting with someone or or something like that that could really help you expand your network or one post that you're inspired to make uh you know just like always keep being hopeful and when you do get if you do get down about it picking yourself back up and just know that you know because i'm gonna go through this so maybe i'm just telling myself this too (laughs) i am telling myself too um you know that just because you're not getting bites doesn't mean you're not good you're just um competing with a lot of noise and other people and especially now during covid meaning when the talent pool if you're going to start doing remote work the talent pool becomes oh it, it gets insane huge. insanely bigger yeah and yeah. so you're kind of like ooh yeah. <laughs> i like remote work for one reason but not the other for sure so. yeah and i remember that as well as like um i mean i I guess like the thing that I've also realized is it's like, um, like fortunately, I mean, post product, what I've learned from remote work is like remote product post production can now happen for real. Like it's, we can no longer, it's, we no longer have to flirt with it. It actually can happen. Um, we can like hop on calls and quickly show edits and make changes and stuff like that. But at the same time, like remote, remote production is not, the way of the future at all in my opinion it just it's we're doing it because we have to um Mm -hmm. but there's something to be said for working with talent on location yeah which absolutely i mean it's interesting seeing how productions are starting to ramp up but at the same time like i don't i don't think we're gonna see a return to normal in any way shape or form in the next i think it's gonna be the another 12 or 18 months. Oh, really? You think it's going to be that far along? Well, we haven't even, we haven't hit a second, we haven't hit uh, a second wave yet. That, yeah. That I, hasn't I, happened. Yeah, it's tough. I, uh, like, yeah, I, I think everyone's opinion on, I don't really know what to believe on the coronavirus. I, I know it's a real thing, but um, I'm. Tr- it's like, yeah, I try not to focus on that. I don't want that to happen, but it is a reality. And so, yeah, like plan, plan for the worst, hope for the best type of thing. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It could, it could be that for sure. Uh- um, I hope, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not either, but it's like I'm just looking at like what happened in 1918 in terms of the Spanish flu and it was it was the second wave that was the deadliest where it was like five or six um times the number of deaths for um for that as opposed to the first wave. So it's yeah. like that's the thing that concerns me is it's just like people are I think people are getting lax and things and it, I I guess like they, I'm also looking at it through the lens of like in terms of like return of normalcy in terms of production and ad spend and like flush with cash and the ability to um, hire creative talent. I don't think that's going to happen until we have a, until COVID-19 truly goes away or we have a one, a manageable solution 
mm-hmm. two therapeutics and three a vaccine. Until we get those three things, I I just have a really hard time believing that like we're going to have any degree of normalcy when it comes to advertising budgets because advertising budgets are dictated by um profit or, or uh yeah, profits and uh quarterly reports. Yeah. That's very fair. I, I do. I'm curious because I haven't been on a remote production. Can you tell me the short story of like how that operates? Because <laughs> yeah, how does it? Well, well I, I haven't either. In in terms of like anything of substance, it's just been working with members um, of my team. But from what I've been hearing is like there's a lot more OSHA guidelines and a lot more public health guidelines um, that mm-hmm. have to be followed. Uh, they're taking things really serious in terms of social distancing, trying to avoid contact, proper PPE and stuff of that nature. From I, I don't know the full extent of it. Um, I I think like all things, we're trying to figure it out. But I I don't know. Like I I guess like the thing that's like challenging for me is like, and I'm trying. I mean, what I'm trying to wrestle with is like the notion of like. When when are we going to see when are we going to see a degree of normalcy? Like when is what is that going to look? Yeah, if and when is that going to happen? Because it's like I we can't this too this will pass, and it's like advertising will mm-hmm. flourish again in the future, like it we had for the last couple of years. We will see a degree of normalcy. This is an, a crazy time. I just think that now is just. It's tough, regardless of where it you're is at, tough. if you're in advertising or not. Or it's a really fucking brutal time. It is. Um, so that's why it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's well, kind of like um, we the ground underneath us has been knocked out, and I and I definitely feel a little out of whack as well um i did want to add a little antidote that i remembered as you were answering about remote production some of my past colleagues they had to do a remote production for one of uh, their clients and what they did was deliver the camera and lights and whatever all the accessories to the uh, actors, the actors were real people. Um, and, and it wasn't a big production. It was, the script was made for during COVID time. So it was very much like low production of the, they're using their iPhones. We might have a third actual regular camera, but I think I heard that the producer like everyone was in a van like the director was like wired in or maybe someone was in their apartment but like in a different room you know like it was just very um and so they were funneling the content to video village which was each creative in their own house and then you had a zoom room of just the clients you had a zoom room of just the creatives and then you had a zoom room of uh you know agency you know, and clients or something. I don't know, but it was yeah. just like fascinating to hear how you have to, yeah, you have to figure all that I don't want to live in this world. I really don't <laughs> because it's just like, I mean, you've been, on, you've been on productions this like, like I'll, I will say this, the only positive out of remote production 
has been the notion that it's forced us to find new ways to tell stories and be creative. But at the same time, yeah. it's like it's killed produ- like production quality. Like turn on the turn on uh, the news and it's just like you're like, oh, they're just, they're they're on our webcam at home. Yeah, but I also think that that's not terrible, and I know that you hate to hear that, but because I, I'm not saying that is the standard for going forward, but it goes back to what we were talking about. It makes things seem a little bit more authentic, real, relatable, human, um, and not just like shiny and flashy, which I think has a definitely is needed and has a time and place, but. I do think it's okay to take a little break from it and like just try to learn. We all have to try to learn how to be okay with not knowing. And that's the hard part. Cause I think humans like predictability and ske- uh, schedules and, you know, what am I trying to say? Routines, you know, and, and, and we definitely don't have one right now. Well, I think, it, I think the big thing that it, the thing I'm taking away from it is like what advertising does really well at is the gloss, you know, like advertising is really good about making things look super sexy and super glossy. Um, if COVID-19 has proven anything to me, um, it's the notion that you don't have to have that. And the reality of the circumstances Mm -hmm. is Madison Avenue doesn't have that. Well, neither do you. So you're. This is the one moment from a production s- standpoint that uh, you can compete at that level. Because at the end of the day, it, yeah, it's all about. It's it's just uh, the idea that's gonna win, and you don't have to be burdened by production quality for once. Because like I remember going to ad school, and it's like people would get mad at me because I, I'd say like, I can't execute that. And they'd get mad at me because like, well, why are you killing an idea? I was like, I'm not killing the idea. I'm killing the production and the feasibility of the idea. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now is a time where it's like those rules have gone out the window and anybody who has a solid idea can execute it if they have the know-how um, because agency people and clients or individual creators they're all kind of at the same place right now for once, which is interesting. Definitely interesting. Yeah. So we, yeah, have a lot more level playing field and a lot more people on that field. <laughs> for once, comedians and wannabe late night show hosts are in the same position as Stephen Colbert from a production standpoint. Yeah. I actually wonder, like, how all those late night shows are happening. Like, I mean, you know that like all the writers are still writing and there's tons of zoom meetings. And then it's like, anyway, I've just, I've just found some of that stuff fascinating of like these huge million dollar shows, daily shows to put on. Yeah. Have been, have been reduced to, Jimmy Fallon's computer, or is it his computer? Probably isn't. It's probably a camera. You know, there's definitely some production value there. There is, but it's like I and and I guess the thing that I've always kind of taken away from it, and I was on. I was saying this years ago when I was like coming out of Brand Center. Is it's like there's no reason. I mean, to quote Jeff Kling, there's a time for punk rock and there's time for a three piece suit. 
Like yeah. if, if you're doing the Super Bowl ad, yeah, go get um God what Joe Pitka, the guy that the only guy that's allowed to like shoot the Amheiser Bush Clyde Styles. That's a time okay. where you want like steak and potatoes. But I think there's a lot of opportunity, especially now, where it's just like you can order a camera from Amazon, order some lights and some decent audio gear, and come under five to ten thousand dollars, which is still a lot of money. Let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. But for, I think there's, I think it's realistic for people to be doing a lot more content on smaller footprints right now. Yeah, it doesn't have to be as at scale. If you have somebody that's strong in camera yeah. and that knows how to present an idea, go, run with it. Yeah, I agree. So, I don't know. I, uh, we will see. Only time will tell. And maybe we can come back and do this in a you know, in a year, and we'll be we'll be giving the world an update on what what the hell is going on and what has happened and what what keeps happening. Um, but I think, yeah, next year, I don't know. I just have a, I, I have a good feeling that things will shift. I mean, we will never go back to what it was. And I, I personally believe that stuff needed to break and we needed to take some hard looks at certain things. And, um, but I think hopefully by next summer, um, we'll be in a different place. It might not be super shiny or like polished, but I don't, I don't think we'll be as floundering. I don't think there'll we be w- progress. Oh, there will be. I mean, we're already seeing progress and it's like, I think to your point, uh, I think it's just going to be about how do we evolve past this? Um, yeah. How do we thrive because of it? And like, um, I'm not, I mean, we're going to make progress and things are going to be okay. It's just like, I think it's, uh, to your point, like, I think we needed the break. Like, yeah. the analogy I've used is it's like, it just feels like for so long, many of us were just like, go, 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 execute, execute, execute. Mm-hmm. It felt like the earth was like, nah, I need a, I need a timeout and so do you. Let's, uh, let's take a hiatus and let's, uh, check back in in maybe six months to a year. Okay, bye. I mean, it seems yeah. like that's what 2020 <laughs> has been for at least me to an extent I haven't done as much thinking as I would like, but it's just like, it's, I think like for me, it's like, it's caused like, it's caused me to like slow down a little bit and really think about like what it is I want and like, how do I achieve those things? Because like not being able to see my friends or do things, it's like, I need to spend more time thinking about like what it is I truly want as a creative person. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind, like, I don't mind doing corporate and quiet work, but at the same time, it's like, how can I bring more of my real self into that? Yes, yes, all of, yes, same, same journey that I'm on, and I think that so many of us are on, and um, I think it'll be important to continue to have these conversations with each other, just more as a support system, and trying to figure it out and also letting each other know like what we think that might look like for our whole self. So we can have each other's backs and like be on the lookout for opportunities that might align with that um, and kind of create that network 
or continue that network or create that network uh, to just kind of the COVID post COVID crew of just who, who am I? What, what is, what is really fulfilling and what is really going to fulfill my soul? Um, And for some that might be completely getting out of advertising you know, it sounds and I like think you're moving that direction to an extent. Really cool. No, I think there's yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunities out of ad, outside of advertising where we can take those same talents and have impact. Yeah, I I really am like I'm not opposed to staying in the advertising world, but man, it's got to be a digital place. It's got to be an integrated place that um is just. I don't have a lot of experience, but I've grown a lot more passionate um, about the integrated consumer journey, full funnel campaigns, like I was saying, customer experience, just having a really strong digital marketing um, strategy and the ability to create content to support that. I mean, that's a huge production, I know, but I would just love to learn from experts who are doing that. I mean, I was, I was starting to lead that at CNF and I, I'd done it for about a year is helping them, uh, transition from more of traditional and into integrated thinking. And to be honest, it was our clients that really pushed us, which is great. People like Amika and St. Michelle wine estates and, uh, Primera people, brands that were needing more of that. And so it really opened my eyes uh, to what advertising is outside of a creative idea, Mm -hmm. because the creative idea is great and it's certainly fun to think about, but what's the point of it if it doesn't drive behavior? Well, behavior or yeah and then therefore a return of some sort uh of a goal and it's like the world is so data and tech focused now that obviously those are the numbers that clients rely on to make business decisions like you have to have a and then what so Mm -hmm. like cool cool video but what do you (laughs) want want to achieve with this or whatever so no it's i remember working on the amica stuff and uh like the back end of it was just like fascinating to me like how you how you were using how the survey was informing the the i mean i hope i'm not revealing trade secrets but it was like how the survey was <laughs> informing uh the facebook pixel to target who to serve the ads that i was making to on instagram and facebook yeah and then depending on which audience segments having to create different creative, whether it's image or copy, um, to be, to serve those audiences. And so content these days, just take, if you, if you're going to do it, I don't want to say right, because it's not right for every brand, you know, it, and then every brand's budget and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, there's like, it is not just a creative world anymore creatives world anymore it is i personally think digital media and and kind of the back-end marketing side of it uh the customer journey basically is um going to have both short-term 
wins and more importantly, long-term building of a relationship that's really important with your, with your consumers. So what do you think that, what do you think that means for, well, yeah, what, what do you think that means for juniors, kids coming out of school who went to a fancy ad program that were taught all about concept and creative and then on the flip side of the coin, vendors, be that films, uh, filmmakers, um, photographers, kids who are trying to become filmmakers and photographers who may have just got a fancy degree in photography or just came out of film school. How, mm-hmm. how for those younger people who are trying to get more ingrained into the business, either agency side or creating content for agencies, how do you think they should think about that? I know that's kind of like two uh, questions. Well, I think they're actually kind of smarter than me and us about that. And I will just say me because these people are digital natives. They grew up uh, with social and they grew up with the internet. Um, I'm 36. I'm on the cusp of like, I had half my life not really having a lot of technology influence and well, more, more than half is now dedicated to all that. So it's like, and I grew up in a very traditional way in this industry. So I think young people can bring a lot to the, a lot of fresh perspective um, that I think people like me might not have. And I think I would actually encourage (laughs) Uh, people that have been in this industry for a while to please learn from the young folks because that is, I mean, that is the future and they know a lot of stuff that, that we don't just because you're young doesn't mean that they're not smart and talented. I do think um, I would encourage them to make friends and really try to have an understanding of media strategy and how the like basically what try to try to explore what the customer will be experiencing with your content is it one piece of content okay well how will it be served so then you can adapt the content as you need to make sense in that specific media placement or okay so this is a campaign but it has 67 pieces of content like how do you serve that that's a lot audience yeah and then like but and then how do you plan for that and so it's really just because i've worked with creatives who just really think about the creative and i know that they cause a lot more headaches uh, for a lot more people because they're not empathetic or and I'll say seemingly empathetic or open mind to really care or be inquisitive about that. And so I think I would say it's not just about the idea anymore. It's about the whole experience. And so there's silos can exist between departments and always ask other department leads on your team, how that process works or what that means or how that impacts the creative or how you should think about the creative because that's so, so, so important. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what's coming to mind. So is now the time to be thinking, to be asking the question, you might laugh at this actually about (laughs) a brand's TikTok strategy. 
Oh gosh. You know what? I haven't even been asked about a brand's ticket. You know, I would not, I would go to the young people and be like, I, I need you. We're going to be doing this together. I'm going to shut up and learn from you because I, those the the youngins they definitely know uh, that way better than I do. Well, um, I would have to be doing some research. Oh, for sure. I'm already looking at the platform. It's it's, uh-huh. it's interesting. It's really, I mean, the storytelling opportunities on TikTok are incredible. It feels like that's awesome. No, I mean I haven't started posting yet. Like I posted one thing from like a shoot I did, and I'm I should probably take it mm-hmm. down. I'm like eh, I don't know about it. it's like a little <laughs> too edgy, and I'm like eh. But I'll I'll say this. Um, it feels like Instagram circa 2013, 2014. <laughs> that's where TikTok is right now. I think. Like I I look I was like like. I've always kind of like I've always like respected uh, Alaska Airlines in terms of their creative, uh-huh. uh, especially pre mechanism. I think their uh, I think the work that Wong Duty was better. To be honest, mm-hmm. I'm biased. Alaska uh-huh. Al- Alaska has a TikTok account. They've not posted yet, though. I know. And so it's... they're. What do you think? I'm think. I mean, let's think about it from this angle. Technology has always made people skew younger. I mean, I, I, you, you, I'm sure you know the name Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. And he was like, I was listening to him like when I was living in LA, 2016, and he was talking about there's 50 year old guys, 50 year old dude, white dudes that have sent a poop emoji today. And the mm-hmm. point the point he was trying to make is what technology does is it skews younger. So young people get heavily involved in a certain platform. In terms of our generation, it was Facebook. Like I remember like stepping foot on ca- campus at Washington State and like being told about Facebook in in like 2006. And I was I was I was I remember I I still had a MySpace at that, that time, and I got on Facebook. And I was blown away by the platform. I was like, holy smokes, this is way different. This is way better than MySpace. But um, what happened, and I mean, you remember seeing this whole thing evolve. Like Facebook started skewing older because we as a generation were enamored by it because it was just like, it was the it was the de facto social platform, which caused it to yeah. skew older. Same goes with Instagram. Inst- I remember downloading Instagram when I was in ad school and being blown away by that as well. It skewed older because it's like it had so that much breakthrough potential beyond just a generation or group of uh, people. I think TikTok is, is or is about to have that moment, especially with brands because like, what do advertisers do? We ruin everything because it's the way to connect to the youth. <laughs> yeah, it is funny because you're right. I didn't, I mean, it's so simple. It's like, yeah, Facebook is our go-to. Although I, I honestly like prefer Instagram. Um, also a Facebook product. But, Sorry, oh, I'm just, I know, I'm just but making you know a joke. Mean. Okay, you got to be technical, Richard. Uh, no, I'm talking um, but yeah, it makes sense for obviously the younger people to 
be really familiar with TikTok because that's what they're, that platform is kind of for them. Uh, and it's kind of coming into its own as these people are coming into their own. Um, and it's, I feel like it's a really cool place to explore and express yourself. There's so much creativity going on in TikTok. It's insane. I've gotten lost. Yeah, I've gotten lost. Hours have been lost. And I'm like, okay, Nicole. But it's just like, and it's so simple, but it's like how they're editing and how they're, and all these challenges. And it's about dancing and like, uh, you know, I, repeating, uh, lip syncing. And I don't even know like how and why it started, but it is a different beast to wrap your head around. And uh, I find it exciting. But yeah. also, like, uh, I would need some education on best ways to use TikTok as, like, for brands as yeah. well. I, th- I mean, let's be honest. I think, like, I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. I think it's for those with large followings to carve it out um, and agency folk to determine that. Like, yeah, I mean, you had you had to craft that with uh, Chateau. Like Chateau probably had some ideas of like how to use Instagram to their uh, disposal, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's really going to be about us as creators and creative people to like basically start to craft that. Um, yeah. On our own, and then like try to take those same best practices and apply that to with the with the um with the uh corporate uh gloss to it that it yeah. is filtered because that's how brands are they're filtered but i i don't know i guess like the thing that i'm like really like fascinated by is it's like to your point it, i mean in i wouldn't say it, it feel i mean it, yes it does feel like instagram in terms of that like they're on that breakthrough moment it feels really like vine or like just really short form mm-hmm. video yeah mm-hmm. the thing that i'm like i'm like as I've started playing with it is it's like, I'm not seeing cinematic stuff there though. No, I'm not seeing that like high visual, like cinematic slant to it. And maybe that's not the platform for it, but it's like, it's video and you think it would exist. I know. I think, I mean, this goes back to larger conversations of, um, that we are seeing, a swing to more human, natural, authentic approach on social for brands because you you want it to resonate. You want people to trust you and see you as a relatable uh, being and not like a brand that doesn't give a shit about you. And I think that we've seen a pivot the last several months if not maybe a few years of of brands being more willing to be authentic and i think that goes back to your conversation of influencers when you pay influencers to talk to your brand you're giving permission for that brand to become a normal like household item that is uh shot within someone's home and it's not glossy and it's not and i think there's a time and place and I think both should exist. Um, it's like I exist as a human being that, you know, wears sweatpants and wears makeup, you know. And so, like, there's a time and place for all of that. And I'm honestly looking um, at uh, some TikTok brands 
now or this article, and most of them seem to be very, uh, like I filmed it, uh, not DIY, but I don't say low budge, but just very like normal. There's a there's one I see for Calvin Klein that has like more editing style to it, but I know Chipotle um, has been off to a good start there. And oh, uh, Chipotle's using it. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And so. Yeah, and so, I, yeah, actually, I'm now curious, and I'll probably spend some of my time uh, looking at, like, how, how brands are are being on TikTok. Um, yeah. Well, like, and I just... I was just going to say, like, I mean, I'd, I'd, I mean, two brands that I'd love to work with at some point are, like, Alaska Airlines and Subaru. Like, yeah. I'd kill to work for either one of those guys in some capacity. I mean, they're the top two that come to mind. I mean, and I guess like the thing that I've kind of realized about my own work, um, and, and this, this is not, I guess like I'd want to like figure out how to like play with the platform and start to build audience, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, I don't have the answers to that in any way, shape or form. I think part of it is just start putting stuff out there and playing and seeing what sticks and doing a little bit of research. I mean, there's got it, there's already, you know, experts on that platform, so to speak, uh, within the industry, um, because they probably a year ago or six months ago were the social media strategists for Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And then the brand was like, what is this new TikTok thing? And it's like, figure it out, you know, until you're just, I feel like the experts are only maybe like six months ahead of us, seven, yeah. eight months ahead of us, but, yeah. um, which is good. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just like, like for instance, like I was watching one today, um, and it was just like photos of like places to go ski. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. I can yeah. do that. Like that's bullshit. And I'm just like, I'm also thinking about like, God, I just picked up a drone. Like this, the ability to storytell on that platform. Like that's what advertising is. Is it's like, I mean, I'm I'm sure you probably saw the documentary Art and Copy and how it starts with cave paintings. Like mm-hmm. people have been drawn to, um, to story that's hardwired into our DNA. I guess the thing that I'm thinking about right now is it's like the beauty about TikTok as a platform is you can do it with your cell phone. Like you have the ability to yeah. edit in your phone and it, it, it cuts to the music. It cuts to the downbeats for you, which I'm like, I saw that and I was terrified because like yeah. as an editor, that's what editors are really good at is they, they know how uh-huh. to cut to music. I saw TikTok do that for me on something on like one on the first video I uploaded. And I was like, Holy shit. That's my job right there. Mm-hmm. It freaked yeah. me out. Well, I know, and you, you had posed a question about. Um, let me pull it up. You had posed a question about. I think it was one of the last ones. Yeah, we've not been on script uh, at all, but that's okay. No, I know. It just reminded me what one of my answers was is. Um, what are some of the biggest changes uh, that you've seen in the 
advertising industry and where is it headed next? And one of my thoughts was AI. I mean, you can't deny AI. And I don't mean that they're going to take over everyone's jobs really soon or, you know, but I mean, when you, you start seeing it now more in media planning and maybe even media buying, I'm not sure, but audience targeting and then pulling creative, which creative to serve to which audiences, like there's AI capabilities within IBM. And uh, I, I'm not saying I don't technically know if TikTok is, that's part of AI, but like you have all of these, yeah, these things that AI can do. Like I feel like as a freelancer, if I want to go target small business, I'm in competition with Spark and Canva and all of these Adobe products and other products that just make templates that just make creative easy to make cheaper than me. Um, well, Nicole, here's and, here's the issue with that, and you're right. I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is like most small organizations don't know those things exist. So you have yeah. a little bit of, I think you have a little bit of leverage to use those to still make great work. Because like, for instance, like I'm thinking, yeah. I, I've been hanging out at my parents' house for the last like three weeks, which has been nice to get away from Seattle. And it's like, I can guarantee you a lot of small business um, probably doesn't know those things exist. Like I'm just going to use an example, like, I'm thinking about the Wenatchee market specifically. Not mm-hmm. saying I'm trying to target them. I feel like I'd mm-hmm. shake them and pennies would fall out of their pockets, but whatever. <laughs> At the same time, like you could target small business. You, I mean, you to pay you like two grand a week or four grand a week, whatever your rate is, in order to get the work done and for you to have a reasonable cost or uh, quality of life, and still be able to mm-hmm. use those tools because. Chances are they don't know how to leverage those tools in order to tell a complete brand story that is relevant to the audience that they're trying to serve. It's just a tool. Yeah, and and that's true. And I have thought about that. They're like, well, but what it doesn't have is context for all the other <laughs> things of that for that brand that the brand doesn't know how or what to think about. So yeah. all it's doing is making uh, maybe cheaper, if you will, uh, Facebook post images, but it doesn't, they don't know the how, why, what the strategy, how to think about things, how to the copy even, you know? So, so, so thank you for reminding me of that because, um, you know, I, I do, I do think we're not there yet, but it's like, yeah, AI can very much, um, take away some roles that we are um, used to doing. But to your point, I don't think AI will ever, well, uh, maybe in our lifetime, not um, ever become replace a human being and empathy and emotion. And, you know, talking about the very important need for AI algorithms to be um, trained in non-racism because you have white people training um ai algorithms and bots and i have no clue how this works so i don't even know if i'm explaining it right you're not the nerd for this conversation 
I am, I am not, uh, but it's like, you, you have to input humanity and be empathetic and aware at all levels of it. And I just don't think AI is, um, going to be there. So yeah, there's some stuff it'll do and some stuff it just can't, won't. Well, well it's funny because this remind. do you know the name Mark Fenske at all? Uh-huh. Okay. I, I remember in one of my classes, he was just going off on retouchers. We don't need retouchers. Art directors can do the retouching. No, they can't. No, no, I can't. It's like, and he was just going. I mean, he's a writer, and it's like Fenske's Fenske. He's 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 an old school ad guy. I mean, way mm-hmm. old school. Um, nineteen eighties old school to be tech to be uh correct or just to date him. Like Fenske's wonderful, mm-hmm. but he will rip your soul out and crush it in front of you. Um. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it's like he said these things and I'm like sitting there as like a, an art direction student who knows production back and I'm like, Fensky, I'm like thinking to myself, Fensky, you're wrong on this. Like, and it's like, as I have played with photography, it's like, I didn't know anything about frequency separation on skin textures. Um, I didn't learn about that in ad school, how to retouch skin. Yeah. Like... What sort of art director needs to know how to retouch skin for photography? I know. It's so tough because. It's it's super technical, but whatever. Yeah. It's just like, what type of role do you want to take? And it's the notion of, well, it's creative and it's visual. So an art director could do it. No, like there are so many. Well, you're an art director. Can't you draw? Can't you paint? Can't you blah 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 and there's some that are just multi-talented multi-faceted yeah that have taught themselves but i think um yeah i don't know people can just assume if oh like oh you're a writer so you should be able to write like a beautiful moving manifesto to seo website copy to uh brochure copy to uh high-performing social copy to you know like i don't think all writers can flex between email marketing campaigns and i mean maybe they can and i think in this day and age but there's different types of writing yeah uh for sure and it's like in my experience of like or i'm thinking there's only two people that come to my mind that could do those things one of them Mm -hmm. was uh jeff weir or not Jeff Weir, Kevin Weir. Um, he's now a um, ACD at 72 and Sunny Amsterdam. Uh-huh. I th- uh, he was one of the guys behind, uh, I think he was behind Dilly Dilly. He was one of, he was part of that team. Um, in ad school, he'd like, he would come up with like the most elaborate gifts I've ever seen in my life. Like they were they were truly works of art. Like, um, and then he like put together these weird websites that would get 50,000 views of like, uh, of, it was like, you remember the nine cat song? Oh yeah. He did a website called nine Watts where it was, uh, I can't remember the, the singer's first name. His last name's Watts. So it's like nine Watts of like, I think it was Tom Waits singing the nine cat song. <laughs> it was called Nine Weights. Ah, uh, that's funny. And then, like, the other one is uh, Frank, uh, 
now who was it? There was another, uh, was it Frank Guzon? I can't remember. There was a, uh, there was an art director, um, a year behind me in ad school who is absolutely insane. Like he was doing some incredible stuff with, uh, cinema 4d and just illustration through cinema and just 3d renderings. I was working at Gates oh, Ventures nice. and I was like walking past the coffee table in our, se- in the second building because they couldn't have me anywhere near Bill as a uh, contractor. Can't be on Bill's floor. We'll put him in uh, the, no, definitely not. we'll put him in the annex. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm walking past reception in our, the second building or the second office we had on the complex. I walk past and I see a, a cover of like Wired magazine. There's Frank's work. And I'm like, holy shit. On the cover of Wired magazine. Yeah. And it's, I guess, like, those are the only two, I I can't remember how I got here, but those are the only two people that um, are truly, like, multiple disciplinary, because it's like, I know there's just art directors that come up with ideas, but they need, they still need designers to execute upon those. Yeah, absolutely. So just because... I... Art art director art director is kind of like a misnomer of a title in many ways. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, if I feel like back in the day it made more sense because you had to be a good writer. I mean, a good illustrator or typesetter or like because everything was done by hand, um, and it was literally art because there wasn't, it was not like the computer and I'm not saying compute computer made art is not art, but, um, it was a physical entity. And so I think if our position was created today, it would be more of like something like visual content or, you know, or, um, content creator. I don't know. No, or just more like the visual and not, not maybe less of like art. Cause I think people, associate the word art which it makes sense with the tangible artistry like skill sets that um we're used to seeing so yeah yeah it's it's definitely interesting for sure i've all i remember talking to a high, I, I took a few art classes in high school and i was talking with a a art teacher i had he's like i he just kind of said to me um uh in passing i don't feel like computers have the same tactfulness or as working with your hands and I was I was thinking about that I was like I was thinking to myself when he said that I was like I disagree with that completely you still have that physical thought process you're just working with a different tool set yeah I mean you're still like yeah. having to think about the medium and like how you're playing with it and like using your hands to a degree or the tools yeah, that are within it... a program I should say yeah one thing, though, that I think he's a little he's has a good perspective on is like when you make art on paper and you mess up, there's no command Z button. And I have found a few times in my life where I am doing something in real IRL that I'm just like, oh my God, if I would have done this on the computer, I could have just command Z'd and it's like it never happened. But you really do need to understand, like if you're doing art, it's like 
you know, really understand color theory or lines or shapes or whatever. And I'm not saying, yeah, start with a pencil. And, but it's just once you make a mistake or there's a little bit more uh, awareness and edu- uh, skill sets involved and in making a, a piece to completion without, quote unquote, messing it up. Because yeah. unfortunately, unless you can find a way to – cover it up or shift it like you're kind of like oh fuck yeah oh i totally get that (laughs) like yeah i think a great example of that is i did a shoot i was in between like creative live and like freelance and trying to figure that out i accidentally shot all my photos on jpeg i was like oh Oh, my gosh yeah if i did that for if i did that for on a job job i'd be so fucked oh yeah like i'd be like Hey guys, somehow I fucked up and they're all JPEGs. I'm yeah. Sorry. Never working for yeah. you again. <laughs> no, it's, but it's just like, I think like, I guess like what I found working in digital spaces is like, yes, you have the, you have a little, it's a lot more forgiving. There's still plenty of room to fuck yes. up. There is a lot oh, of room to fuck up. Yep. Like I, uh, I remember uh, working on, like for instance, or like having lights, working with strobes and blowing them out, and the skin tones are too hot. Oops. Mm-hmm. I. Oops. You make that yep. mis- you make that mistake, and you uh, trade in a lens and and uh, use it to help buy a light meter so you your exposures are spot on every time and you don't have to guess yep so but that's the beauty of mistakes right is like that's the only way you learn and i think when you're in a place that encourages mistakes and understands that that makes it really you feel supported and you feel um celebrated because it's like when you learn i think other people learn with you and from you and so uh you know so they're not all bad for sure i guess like something i've learned and i remember hearing this at wsu is uh i was taught there was a alumni that um um came up from hollywood down in la and he was a Mm -hmm. producer on scare tactics it's like oh my god he works on scare tactics that's like the coolest thing in the world Mm-hmm. And as like a college kid, you think like that's like the that's the ultimate. He's working in Hollywood. <laughs> Looking at it now, I'm like, what? Okay, he was working on he was working on a cable television scare show. Okay, respect though. <laughs> that's that's still quite an yeah. achievement. I'm not I'm not shitting on his work or his career. He's done a lot. And but I remember him saying to me, "It's like just make mistakes. Make them now while you're in school, while you can, because they they cost a lot more." when uh they happen when on somebody else's dime uh yes 100 percent. i uh I, I will never forget when i was at my first job out of college and i was at this um ad agency in nashville tennessee and this was i don't know 2007 8 uh where it was a very traditional ad agency and I had just printed, we had just printed, I don't know, 20, 30,000 copies of these like new larger size brochures that I designed. Let me guess. 72 DPI RGB. 
No. From from whatever happened between the approved press check and the final, the word the client was a, a lawyer. The word lawyer was misspelled. And so we had to reprint all of the uh, brochures for this client. And I remember like getting pulled aside by my boss and like the owner of the company to talk about what happened. They were very nice about it, but that was like my, and I was, I don't know, I think I was 23 at the time. And you're just like, holy shit, this is what, this is why having more eyes on something sign off like right before it's approved, approved and like just taking that extra time. And I don't even remember how the hell that happened, but it happened. And, and that was also a really great lesson in responsibility. Like even if I did it or not, my name is on this job and I have to, um, if something fucks up, like I have to take responsibility for it. Um, and so that was a really good and quick <laughs> eye opener into all that stuff. Yeah, I, I believe me, I've <laughs> I've had my own fair share of fuck ups, and they're always humbling. <laughs> it's like you are not the rock star you think you are. Go back, go back to jail for a minute. Go sit. <laughs> go back your, to jail. Go sit. Go sit and think about the things that you've done. And I no, I know we always are our greatest punisher, right, and critic, aren't we? Oh God, it's it's, ugh, it's uh. I know it's. it's I don't know. Ongoing it, the struggle is journey. real. It's yes, it's the, the, li- the life. Real. Life journey is incredibly real, but I don't know. It's uh, it's just a learning. It's I think it's just an exercise of learning and being human. And I I think like the thing that I've really come away with is just like learning and how do I apply these things going forward like that's that's the biggest thing I take away from all of this of just like how do I grow how do I evolve how do I just make better work um yeah I mean and then I by no means have the answers to those things but like everyone else I'm trying to figure it out Oh yeah, and that's you know that's why community is important, and that why that's why learning to be gentle with ourselves is important, and that's why you know I think we're all still trying to figure it out. My dad always says, even though he's uh, 70, 70, he still says I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, or like I want to be like you when I grow up, and it's like I think we're always constantly evolving and seeking because there really is no end because once you reach a goal there's always going to be a yeah, new what's goal next? and then you're yeah so it's just like I, i've said to people constant... i've said to people i'm never satisfied with what I, i've done previously it's like okay that was great mm-hmm. like that that shine is gonna wear off real quickly i'm like moving on let's do something else not like do something yeah. else like i'm tired of it but it's like how do we evolve how do we improve how do we take that next step yeah so i don't know but anyways we've been talking for a while now um i'm sure you have other things that you have to take care of tonight it's a friday but 
we're all still kind of social distancing. Yeah. I was like, it's all it's all the same for me right now. It is. That is true. Uh, I, where can people learn more about your work and what you're up to other than the gram? Oh, sweet. The gram. Well, right now I have my regular advertising portfolio. It is NicoleKestel.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E-K-O-E-S-T-E-L.com. Um, and I just put up a placeholder site for thecosmicpixel.com, which will be going back to providing a platform and a space to be connected and hopefully start gaining clients in that consciousness, more aware, positive space. Um, or just being more intentional about the type of work and people I work with uh, that share like-minded values. And um, yeah, IG is at in Kestel. So yeah, that's my, those are my spots right now. Well, there you have it. There's my conversation with Nicole Kestel. Thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on the show. I really enjoyed um, connecting with you and hearing your thoughts on where things are headed. And when this is all said and done, let's grab a drink. I am. We are both due for it. But anyways, um, if you are interested in Nicole's work, be sure to check her out at NicoleKestel.com. You can also search her name and find her on Instagram. She's doing some really cool collage work. So I, I highly encourage you to check her out on Instagram and give her a follow. Her work is awesome, and I really appreciate how she's she's trying new things. It can be scary, but I really, really respect it. But that's all the time we have for this episode of The Creative Hack. Uh, be sure to follow me. I'm all over the internet. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I sometimes tweet occasionally. So you can find me there, just Richard Lutz or Richard underscore Lutz. Something in that capacity. But that's all the time we have. But as always, create, share, and sustain the life that you want. Get out there and make some awesome work, guys. Thanks. Thanks.